Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, we are going to go to the mailbag and uh, got some very interesting uh, type of emails uh, and articles that people want me to talk about today. So we want to get on those right away. Uh, the first one here is a Wall Street Journal article. And let me preface this a little bit. For the last hmm, four weeks or so, ever since the Fed started raising interest rates, which was really about eight weeks ago, uh, we've been discussing whether or not prices would fall because of this or not. That was, you know, really the, the $24,000 question. Uh, is that going to happen or not? And um, I was explaining to you that all of the real estate brokers I was talking to were saying, no way, the prices were not going to go down. And there were article after article after article after article from brokers, real estate brokers, from major firms that were trying to put a happy face on the fact that the interest rates were going up and it wasn't going to be a problem. They're in a seller's or coming out of a seller's market. And when you're in a seller's market, brokers are working for the sellers. And they've got all this product and inventory that they're trying to sell for what I would call unrealistic prices, okay? Prices that are above and beyond what they should be selling for. But that's because there's this pent-up buying demand, this irrelevant enthusiasm that just says, hey, buy, 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 buy. When all of a sudden you pull the plug out of that, then you got to go back to looking at the numbers and see if the purchase really makes sense. Then you got a problem. So what makes the market go back and do that. And that's really the mortgage companies. And the mortgage companies start forcing the buyer to prove that they can actually 
pay the mortgage. Whereas when you're in this exuberant, uh, euphoric state of ever rising prices, the mortgage companies realize they can't really make people prove it. They got to just go by the fact that they believe that the thing's going to be worth more tomorrow and that even if they have to take it back, they're going to be okay because the property be worth more than what it was before. Well, this has come to a screeching halt. And the thing that is bothering most people is not that it's coming to a halt. It's coming to a screeching halt. In other words, it's turning around faster than you ever would have thought possible. Now, I read you an article about a week, week and a half ago, where a guy was talking about, well, everybody is going to get on the phone and start screaming and yelling that the the market's crashing, the market's crashing, the market's crashing, and they're going to create, try to create their own unreal belief system out there that the world is really going to crash and so on and so forth. And the point that he was making was is that it's not real. And uh, when you when you really get out there, the prices are still going to be strong. And you're going to see that you can't go out there and get a better deal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's been a couple weeks now. The one economist that I read to you said that, well, in six to eight weeks, the brokers will come around and start seeing the reality is, is that the interest rates are affecting the prices. Whew. That's a lot to come out of my mouth without a breath. So having said that, we are now at that point where it isn't six to eight weeks to get there. It's been two or three weeks to get there. And they're just, boom, wanting to get get it done. It's just extremely exciting for buyers. And that's what we are. We're basically buyers. It's extremely exciting for buyers as to what we can buy stuff for and uh, where the market's going to in this situation. So this first article is by Wall Street Journal. It's titled, Commercial Property Sales Slow as Rising Interest Rates Sink Deals. And let me read you the highlights on this thing. As I uh, I'll go ahead and read this here, it says, Commercial real estate is showing the first signs of cooling in more than a year. Disrupted by rising interest rates that are already causing some deals to collapse. So literally, I've already seen... Many, many deals that were in the middle, they were already either negotiated or even in contract, where people have backed out of the deals. And um, I've even had one myself that I was in the middle of a negotiation. We were about ready to go to contract, and I backed out of it just simply because I could see that I'll get a better price in 30 days from now. Uh, the next paragraph says property sales were... $39.4 billion in April, which was down 16% compared with the same month a year ago. According to MSCI Real Estate Assets, the decline followed 13 consecutive months of increases. So think about this. The real estate brokers are seeing 13 consecutive months of increases. And then, boom. 
a 16% decline. And I think the world is starting to get it now. Well, the world is getting it. I think real estate brokers are going to start to get it. Now, it goes on and says in this article, and I'm skipping a bunch of this because it's pretty much what we've already talked about, and it's a lot of its history and rhetoric and so forth. So we're going to go down to this next part. It says, sales of retail properties were up in April, okay, the fourth consecutive month that U.S. households boosted spending, while the apartment building sales continued to rise due to strong tenant demand and landlords' ability to raise rents. But analysts and brokers said activity in even these sectors may be slowing as rising interest rates keep some investors from making competitive offers. Now, let me break that down for you. The first paragraph is actually in contradiction to the second paragraph. Or the first sentence, it's in contradiction to the second sentence in the same paragraph. The first sentence is saying, look, the prices in April went up. Why did they go up? Well, because rents are going up. And if rents are going up, profits are going up. And if profits are going up, the value of the property is going up. So prices went up in April. Now, pulling down all that profitability, though, is this concept of interest rates rising. And let's say that before you can have any actual price drops, you've got the fact that rental rates continue to climb, making the value of the property more. For interest rates to have an effect, it has to first slow it from being worth more to just being worth even. And then it can work on making it worth less. So I've always said that when you're in the stock market, it's like having a gun to your head. And the day the market changes, you pull the trigger and boom, you're dead. But in the real estate market, it's like being on a train track and someone saying, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to kill you with my train. You go, you can't kill me with your train. I'll just get off the track or I'll move. And that's what's happening right now is that the people that can hear the train coming are getting off the track. They're getting out of deals. People that have got bad deals, they're selling them, getting rid of them. People that are getting into deals that they think are a little too high-priced or the, 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 the terms are bad, they're getting out of those deals. They're walking away. We're getting off the track. You can't kill me with that bad deal if I get off the track. And so, my friends, the two are in conflict at this moment. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Retiring America, one person at a time. This is the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Now, more unconventional wisdom from your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're going over an article from the Wall Street Journal. And uh, the first segment that we covered was really talking about how interest rates are starting to put hurting to commercial real estate and uh, the buyers are offering less and the sellers are getting less for the properties they're offering, even though brokers don't want to agree or will not agree to admit that yet. Uh, moving on, though, it talks about the next thing that they're going to start worrying about is the economy because they're looking into a possible recession. And as a recession comes up, you've got additional problems, one of which is people not having jobs uh, as they start to lay people off. And there's been a lot of companies out there that have already started laying people off. Uh, you've got lower wages possibly, although we haven't seen that yet and it doesn't seem to be a problem. But you've got just less economic activity. And as this less economic activity occurs and we go further into recession, um, that's going to be another reason for for buyers, real estate investors, to not want to buy. They don't want to buy going into a recession. Now, let me tell you, myself, I do like going buying into a recession. I like buying into the jaws of danger because when you come out the other side, which you always will at some point, uh, you will have gotten a good deal on it. Uh, it goes on and says, uh, interest rates are considerably higher than the 10-year mortgage was just a year ago, but it's nowhere near the interest rate level that it was back in 2019. And if the Fed continues to raise these interest rates up and back towards the levels they were in 2019, it doesn't really see that as a problem because... That's what they would call really normal interest rates. But for some investors that have been paying too much for the properties they've been buying in the last six months to a year, they've bought at such a high price that the interest rate is going to end up being higher than their profit. So in other words, let's say I have $1,000 rent, I have $500 worth of expenses, I have $500 worth of income, but I have five or $600 worth of interest payments. Now I've got a negative cash flow situation. And that's what's happening. So the cap rates on these apartment complexes have gotten down as low as three and a half to 4%, even four and a half percent. Well, when the interest rates get back to five and five and a half, you've actually got a negative cash flow situation. And uh, what we'd call a negative arbitrage. In other words, normally we have a positive arbitrage. We go out there and we buy a property. 
and we buy it at, at, let's say, a six cap rate and our mortgage payments four cap rate for the 80 percent of the money that we're using to buy it, which is mortgaged, we're only paying four and receiving six in income on that. So we're actually making two percent on the money that we're borrowing. That's called a positive arbitrage. But in this situation, people are going to end up with a negative arbitrage on the money they're borrowing. That is going to make it almost impossible to sustain a profit in the overall investment. So at this point, we're starting to see investors walk away from deals. They're walking away from deals that are already in place. In other words, in contract. And uh, they're putting people in a situation where they have to make the decision. Do I want to lose my earnest money or do I want to go on with a deal I know is a bad deal that might take me down, right? And a lot of people are walking away from contracts they're already into. Even more so people like myself, I was in a deal just a week ago where we had agreed to terms. We were getting ready to have the attorneys write up the contract and I just pulled the plug and I renegotiated the deal. And the guy agreed to the renegotiation. And then I got more information uh, about right then people were starting to agree that that prices were going to fall. And I did like everybody else. I said, you know what, let's just put this deal on hold for a while. I can wait a couple weeks. I can wait a month, find out how this all shakes out, see if this thing is really going to change or not. And so I just walked away from the deal. Now, If people keep backing out of deals and if people keep walking away from deals and if buyers are being very cautious about the deals they're willing to sign up for, that in itself is going to make sellers fearful and start negotiating for better prices and terms. It's just the way it is. Sellers are going to become more likely to be willing to give up concessions, more likely to be willing to lower their price, more likely to be willing to fix things, you know, give you more information. Before you ask them, let me have your financial information, you go, yeah, I don't really want to give it to you. And the banks require you to have it now. And so what happens? The deals aren't going to get done. And when the deals don't get done, then the prices start to go down. So there you have it. We're in that situation there where we're looking at the marketplace starting to change. Now, here's where I have to insert some information between articles. And that is what you don't want to believe is that the market's falling off a cliff. Because it is not falling off a cliff as of yet. And it's very possible that if the Fed gets this right and just increases the interest rates the right amount at the right pace, they will slow the inflationary process without wiping out the economy. Now, if they're wrong and they miss it and they wipe out the economy, then all bets are off. Then we're back to the 2008 era, except for this. In 2008, when all this stuff went crashing down, there was way too much real estate. 
There was way too much debt. And so the mountains of over-leveraged real estate, of which there was way more of it out there than we really needed, made the whole thing come crashing down. Right now, there is not too much real estate out there in the marketplace. In fact, we are way behind the curve on housing. We need massive amounts more housing than what they have under construction right now. And it doesn't look like they can get it constructed because of the cost of land, the cost of materials, the cost of labor. So it isn't going to get constructed in a timely manner. And the banks have been very good at not over-leveraging their positions. And because of these particular pieces and these changes, from where we're sitting right now, we don't see the 2008-type collapse. Now, when we come back from break, I'm going to talk to you about another economist and an interesting point of view that he has that I think really shed some great light on the other side of this story. We'll be right back with the Dell Walmsley Radio Show. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're in the mailbag and I'm going through articles that people have sent me. Uh, Mostly the concern is about where's the economy going, how's it going to affect real estate investing. The next article I have here is from the Linderman Letter, and uh, this is uh, an economist that's really big in real estate investing here. Uh, we follow him quite closely. And he's got a completely different take on this uh, economic situation. I've just got to share this one with you because I, I thought it's profound. It's interesting how some people see the world completely differently than everybody else. So let me read this to you because I can't. I can't do it justice, quite honestly. And I quote, the support, we support raising interest rates, not as a cure for inflation, but as a way to more efficiently allocate capital. Raising interest rates to fight inflation caused by widespread supply shortfalls is a great policy mistake. This is because higher rates cannot make up for floods, hurricanes, wars, or shutdowns. Our longtime readers know that we long argue that the Fed should have raised interest rates more aggressively during the financial crisis recovery. A major problem with low interest rates is that large borrowers, especially the U.S. government, experience little to no cost associated with spending the free money. So in other words, what he's saying is when you start letting people have free money, they start doing stupid stuff with it. The government does stupid stuff with it and investors do stupid stuff with it. And it puts our economy way out of whack. That's where we get the inflation. That's where we get the recession. All of it comes from free, cheap to free money. 
He goes on, and this is a social comment, says, the economic inefficiency of zero interest rates is understood by the fact, it, no, it's underscored by the fact that robbing retirees of income on their lifetime savings cannot be a sensible economic policy, as robbery is a non-voluntary exchange, and giving free money to the 335 physically irresponsible members of Congress that define the spending of the world's largest borrower cannot be smart either. If something that is not economically free is made free, it will be overused. This is not to say that the higher interest rates will make Congress financially responsible, but it will help. So there you go. Congress is out of control. Why? Because nobody's questioning where the money's coming from. They're just printing money. It's free money, and it's destroying our economy, it's destroying our country, it's destroying our political landscape, it's destroying people's lives, retirees. Most people that retire live on interest from savings accounts, from bonds, and from CDs. When you take interest rates down to almost zero, Those vehicles were paying these retirees next to zero money, while Congress kept voting itself increases in income, salary, profits, stock market gains. They were robbing the poor retirees. Now, this is real easy to understand, guys. This is theft from our seniors. Goes on. Many pundits warn of economic meltdown as interest rates rise. So there it is. We've got an economic meltdown coming because the problem is not just the interest rates and the free money. The problem is also associated with supply curve problems. But contrary to the Keynesian theory, artificially low rates inhibit growth by misallocating capital. Somewhat higher rates will better allocate capital and fuel, not dampen growth. This is the reason we are not concerned that the Fed raising rates will harm growth. Quite the opposite, it will make it grow. So in other words, I'm sitting here, I'm a normal human being, and I'm not going to get starved out by the recession. I'm not going to get starved out by this inflation. Am I happy that they're raising interest rates? Absolutely. Why? Because it's going to make our economy more stable. What is that going to mean to me as a business person that owns 25 different companies, 27 different companies? It means the economy is going to be more stable. This is a good thing that they're doing this. The Fed will move interest rates towards levels which prevailed in 2019. Still, historically low interest rate environment. That is economically, that is as economy-wide supply and demand balance moves back to normal, all of 2019, and economic growth moves the economy closer to its potential interest rates will normalize. Most of the rate hikes that will occur this year are already priced into the market, and since the economy's resources allocated will improve as money is no longer free to borrow, the economy will grow unless the Fed raises rates too high. So there's the warning. Raising interest rates is good unless they go too far. And if they go too far, there's where the recession 
kicks in, right? It goes on, last paragraph. Those most at risk of rising interest rates are heavily leveraged financial traders. Remember that rates will not rise overnight, but rather over the course of a year. Even if the nominal short-term rate rises to 2.5, the real short-term rate will still be negative as growth will continue. Only as Fed rises the short-term interest rates will, well above the market rate, will grow be, growth be harmed. We do not know exactly what the inflection point is, but we believe that it's above the current level. So in other words, they can keep raising interest rates as long as they don't raise them to the point where they curve the economic growth. When interest rates go up faster than the economic growth goes up, then you create massive, massive recession. So my friends, as you can see, as we look through this, for those of us that are normal people, have normal lives, have savings, have investments, having the interest rates go back up, it's good for us in many, many reasons. One, a more stable economy, less stealing from our seniors, more realistic use of capital in our society, take away the money from the, the government and the congressmen and the senators who spend it all on really bad ideas and bad things. All these are good things for us, right? But throw in the fact that prices come back down to realistic prices again. That in itself for us as real estate investors is really the positive point to all this. If we can get those rates back down or get the, get the interest rates up high enough to get the prices back down to what would be normal, then we'd be in good situation. So what's normal, Dell? Well, what's normal is when the cap rate, the rate of return we earn on the investment, if it were paid all cash and there was no debt, in other words, rent in, expenses out, net profit. If our net profit return cap rate, if our cap rate was back to where our mortgage rates were two points below our cap rate, then we'd be back in a normal situation. So we've got to get those cap rates up, and we've got to get those mortgage payments down. Now, right now, the mortgage payments are going up. So what does that mean? That means the cap rates have to go up. And the reason why the, the difference between the cap rate and the mortgage payment is becoming so slim and why the, the net, net, net profit after mortgage is so slim is because there's no place to invest in the market that's as appreciated, as desired as real estate investing. And hence what's happening is money's moving out of all these other sectors and coming into real estate. And not only that, it's coming out of all these other countries and coming into the U.S. This is still the most sought-after investment in the world, U.S. real estate. And if you don't have some, you don't have a part of the really only inflation hedge that there is. Because as all these prices go up and all the rents go up and all the values go up, people still have to have a place to live, whether they're buying it or whether they're renting it whether the prices go up or not, we own the most valuable asset on earth. Why? Because they're not making any more of it. 
There is no more real estate than what's here now today. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsey Radio Show. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. Got a question? Call 855-497-4DEL. That's 855-497-4335. Or email Dell at askdell at L-U-I-N-C.com. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're going to the uh, mail basket, and uh, people have sent me a bunch of nice articles, interesting articles. This third article that we're covering today uh, is interesting because it's from Kiplinger, and it's sort of a contra real estate article. It's written by a gentleman by the name of Eric Robrier or something like that, certified financial planner. And uh, that and about five bucks gets you a cup of coffee. Uh, I've always asked this question, <laughs> you know, what do you name the last guy in their class? What do you name? What do you call the the last guy in your legal class? Counselor? What do you call the last guy in your medical class? Doctor? What do you call the last guy in your financial planner class? CFP. <laughs> Certified financial planner. Doesn't mean they know anything. But this guy's article actually has some merit in that it's an argument that I don't agree with. But some of the stuff I that he makes point of is logical if you don't know what you don't know. And so his basic argument is that people talk about passive investments in real estate, and he says there's no such thing. Let me see if I can get an introductory paragraph that might outline it for you. While real estate can be a good investment, that statement comes with a laundry list of caveats. All of the ifs and buts that surround it mean that investing in real estate, especially with the goal of generating passive income, is more of a myth than a viable strategy for most people who simply want the easier or more exciting way to grow wealth than investing in the stock market for a long term using a diversified portfolio. So there he is, a certified financial planner. He's telling you that real estate investing uh, as a way to, to get better returns, as to be passive, it's really just a myth. So let's go on and look at his arguments as to what why that is. Uh, argument number one, Managing rental properties takes a lot of work. When people tell you they want to invest in real estate, here's the scenario they typically envision. They receive a rent check the first of the month, each month, which is much bigger than the mortgage payment on the property. They then use the check to pay the mortgage, cover all the costs of the home ownership, and then pocket the profits. It is possible to locate, buy, and manage a rental property that allows this dream scenario to come true, but it's not for everyone, and it's not nearly as passive as an endeavor as many would imagine. Okay, then he goes on, and he says, here's all the things that you have to do. So this guy is talking about the fact that there's all these things you have to do to be a real estate investor that are really not as passive as what, you know, you're being led to believe. And he, he lists these down here as advertise to find tenants, show the property to interested parties to rent, vet applicants to ensure they have that they're qualified, uh, update and improve the property so you continue to attract high-paying tenants, respond to maintenance requests and coordinate repairs, and manage all the financial obligations including paying the bills and handle security deposits, et cetera, et cetera. So is the guy right? He's absolutely right to some extent. Let's talk about the reality here. The reality is there's three different types of real estate investing. The first one is a small IRO, which IRO stands for independent owner, where you own like a rental house or a duplex or a fourplex or a small apartment complex, a couple of units. And you basically are involved doing all that stuff. 
beautiful part is it's not very much stuff to do. I, I could own a rent house, put a tenant in it, and if I did it all correctly, and that's what you're coming to Lifestyles to find out how to do. If you do it all correctly, you're going to have less than a couple hours a year of invested time into each and every property you own. Uh, very simple to do. I owned over 100 properties myself. I ran them all by myself. It was no big deal. Okay. The second type of property is a small or is a medium to large IRO, which is when you own an apartment complex that has a full staff. And you don't do anything. The staff does everything. You just manage the, the bills and, and so forth. And maybe you even have them pay the bills or somebody else pay the bills. And you really don't have to do anything uh, other than make decisions. Now, if you're smart, you probably call the apartment complex on a daily or every other day basis and say, hey, are you still there? And hello, are there any problems or whatever? But man, that's, you know, an hour a day at the most, if that even. So really, that doesn't come into play. And then if you got a large apartment complex, you're in, or your third way is not being IRO, is to be a passive. And if you're a passive, you don't do any of that because there's a person in your place that is operating the property and they do everything. So you really don't have to do any of those deals that they're talking about. He goes on and says, just because it's a house doesn't mean it's a good rental property. In other words, everybody's trying to take the houses they live in and turn them into rental properties or take a vacation homes and turn them into rental properties. And in this case, he's absolutely right. Not every home was born a rental home. There are certain types of homes we buy that make great rental properties. And there are other types of properties that are terrible rental properties. So he's absolutely right on this. And again, this is what we teach you to do. So we teach you to buy the right property in the right location, set it up the right way, and operate it the right way. And if you do all of those things correctly, then you're going to have a very good result and a very good taste about what happens in real estate investing. You just have to make sure that you do them all the right way. And if you do them all the right way, then he's wrong. This really can be a very passive experience and uh, make you a lot of money doing it. All right, moving on. I got two more emails here. The first one is is that uh, it says, my main issue is I want to buy an apartment complex zero down. The answer to that's real simple. Can't do it. There's going to need to be some money down. The days of nothing down, even on houses, is long past us. Could someday in the future come back, but it's not going to be there for apartment complexes. And the other one is, if I have a 24-unit or I have a 64-unit apartment complex and all things were equal, which one would be more profitable? And the answer is, all things are never equal. If they were all equal, then both properties would make the same amount of money. But the very fact that nothing is ever equal is the answer to the question. And it's the ability to be able to evaluate the differences between the two, where in case one might be more profitable, be the small one, and another time the more profitable one might be the larger one. It really just comes down to which deal is a better deal. And that's something You can't just put your thumb up in the air and let the wind blow on and go, well, hmm, that's smaller. That's probably better. Or, hmm, that's larger. It's probably better. That's not really the case. So you need to get some information before you make those kinds of decisions. For the rest of you out there, keep this in mind. It's not the money. It's the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.